this Lionel Messi bonus show here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast Network, which is presented by MyBookie.ag. Sports are back, and MyBookie is now offering a 100% deposit bonus when you use a promo code SGP. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you by the leaders in Daily Fantasy, DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code SGP to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for a $1 million cash prize. That's promo code SGP to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. We're also brought to you by BetQL. Want to get an advantage over the sportsbook with NBA, NHL, and MLB action? You need to download BetQL, the only app you'll need to make smart bets this season. Head to betql.co and enter the code SGP20 for 20% off your first subscription. That's betql.co, promo code SGP20. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace are the leaders in paperhead providers and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. And finally, don't forget to sign up for the free roll football contest. It's back. We're giving away up to $5,000 for the best NFL handicappers this season. Sign up for free today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest. I think Madrid did their thing. Since the restart, they haven't lost a match. So credit to them. Like I said before, we lost a lot of points that we shouldn't have. And well, we need to be self-critical. We need the players, but everybody in the club. We are Barcelona, and we are obliged to win all, all the games. The feeling right now, the mood, is that this team tries, but just can't, can't get it done. Today in the first half, I think our opponents were better and we allowed them too much. We tried to react, but it wasn't enough. I said before that it would be difficult to win the Champions League with this team and we see now that it wasn't even enough to win the league. So a lot has to change because Napoli is a difficult opponent. Yep, it all began with that interview. Lionel Messi threw Barcelona under the bus for their poor performance in the Liga and they didn't win the Champions League. Not only did they not win the Champions League, they were whooped 8-2 by Bayern Munich and all of this has led to Lionel Messi actually requesting a transfer out of Barcelona. The unthinkable looks like it may happen. And we're going to do a show here looking at the betting lines for Lionel Messi to leave Barcelona this summer and start next season with a new club. 
While we're here, we're also going to be looking at this weekend's Community Shield between Arsenal and Liverpool. You are listening to the Soccer Gambling Podcast, and this is simulcasting on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network as well. I said that the last show that will be simulcasting would be the EPL preview. That is not the case. We've got this bonus show because of this ridiculous situation that's come up with Lionel Messi that nobody could see forth, forthcoming, and therefore we are doing a show here on both feeds this uh, this one more time so therefore there will be this show and there will be a final show which will be the EPL season preview which will be coming in the next week and a half or so you can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network you can follow me on Twitter at SGP EPL where I continue to give out those free play winners and of course all roads lead to my website lockbetting.com where we are about to deliver our 76th month of profit August this PL will be pinned to the top of the page on September the 1st on top of my Twitter page that leads you to the pinned tweet on the lockbetting.com page where you can see the PL and it's all fully transparent it's there every single month lockbetting.com is a patreon page and the reason that i use the patreon page is because it allows all of the community to interact so if there was even one bet on my spreadsheet that wasn't correct one of the members would pick up on it it does not get more transparent than having a community of members posting your pinned tweet up for free so that all potential members can see it and current members can dissect it and pull it apart for any errors. There hasn't been one error ever in the last 75 months and there hasn't been one losing month and there is no better time to sign up. The EPL is on its way back. All European football is on its way back. The NBA is concluding. The MLB is going on. The NFL is about to start. We're having UFC cards all of the time. And of course, lots of boxing stuff coming up as well. No better time to sign up to lockbetting.com. Now, let's have a look at this messy situation, which is not actually a pun. It's actually looking at the Lionel Messi situation, but it has got unbelievably messy at the moment he's sitting in Argentina and is refusing to come back and doesn't want to play for Barcelona and Barcelona have just employed a new manager Ronald Koeman who's saying that he's building his entire team around Lionel Messi if we look at the markets here it has swung dramatically in favour of Manchester City capturing his signature when this line was originally put out Barcelona were still the favourites to keep hold of him at 11 to 10. That has completely changed. Manchester City are now the 4 to 6 minus 150 favourites to sign Lionel Messi before October the 5th. He is now 6 to 4 to remain at Barcelona plus 150. And then his huge odds on all the other candidates. Inter Milan coming at third place at 14 to 1. It's 16 to 1 on Paris Saint-Germain. It's 22 to 1 on Manchester United. It's 33 to 1. He doesn't even leave Argentina and signs for Newell's old boys. It's 40 to 1 that he signs for any MLS club. It's 40 to 1 that he goes to Chelsea, which should be a little bit shorter than that because Chelsea have got a ton of money and they bought a ton of players. And Roman Abramovich is now heavily invested once again in this Chelsea project. Uh, 40 to 1 
for him to join Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus, if you can imagine that. But there's also speculation about uh, Ronaldo's future at Juve as well. Uh, 50 to 1 for any Chinese Super League club, 66 to 1 for Al Sad in Saudi Arabia, 66 to 1 for the current Champions League winners, Bayern Munich. And 66 to 1 for Liverpool. I won't bother running through too many more, uh, just some interesting ones. 100 to 1 that he goes to um, Real Madrid, Barcelona's biggest rivals. And 100 to 1 that he goes to Boca Juniors in Argentina as well. So, looking at the most realistic ones, um, Manchester City are the favourites at the moment. Where would he fit into a Manchester City system? Well, he would figure in as. A, a wide player with a free role, which would probably mean that poor Phil Foden, who sat on the Manchester City bench for two or three years, looking for his chance to be this new hot prospect that he's been touted at, a future England regular, a future City superstar, he would be reduced to another two years on the bench because Messi would come in and occupy that spot. Raheem Sterling would occupy the other spot. And then it would be difficult also for Maris to get into the team. And then you would have Sergio Aguero up top with Gabriel Jesus coming in with Kevin De Bruyne just sitting in behind him. The, the possibilities of De Bruyne and Sterling and Mares and Messi all being in the same squad and just having any three of those four on the pitch at the same time are utterly ridiculous to me. And... Um, Manchester City would be insane up top, but obviously their problem last season wasn't wasn't the fact that they weren't attackingly potent. It was the fact that they were conceding way too many goals. However, saying that, they did miss a catalogue of chances. Manchester City's conversion rate for expected goals to goals wasn't as high as it should have been next season. So maybe Messi would be the difference maker in that. But the fact is, is that you're not getting the Lionel Messi that, that Guardiola previously managed, which was a, a goal scoring machine. Messi has now dropped to become more of a playmaker. And the fact is, is that Suarez and Griezmann and others around him couldn't take the weight of putting the goals in net. And Messi still ended up being the club's main scorer. Now, I'm not saying that Messi's job isn't to contribute to the goal tally at all, but he has sat back now at 33 years of age and become more of a provider. But in and around him at City, you do have the personnel that will put the ball into the back of the net. And while you're looking at the likes of Aguero and Sterling and you're comparing them to Griezmann and, and, and Suarez and saying that there really shouldn't be that much difference, I think this was possibly Luis Suarez's worst season that I've seen him. Since Liverpool took him from Ajax, I've not seen Suarez look slower or worse and it's probably time for him to depart Barcelona regardless. Whereas I don't think Anton Griezmann ever escaped from Messi's shadow and maybe if he does end up leaving Barcelona, then Griezmann will be the beneficiary of that and we will see the player that we got from Atletico Madrid because we haven't seen that throughout the season because Anton Griezmann has gone from being the man to just being a bit part player at Barcelona. We just haven't seen the same Anton Griezmann. So if he does end up going to City, I don't think that's going to be the end of Barcelona. I don't think that all of a sudden means that they're not going to challenge for La Liga this season because we haven't seen the best of Usman Dumbeli. Ansu Fati may only be 17, but from what I've seen him and I've seen him live against Valencia, he's more than capable of coming into that team. We may see a much better version of Anton Griezmann and I think we'll see Luis Suarez leaving the club. And I think once we start getting some of these older players off the Barcelona wages, we can start then bringing in some people in and they can start looking at the likes of Martinez at Inter Milan. But 
If they do have any kind of dealings with with Inter Milan, I would think that Martinez would be a part of that deal. But I don't see Inter really as as one of the contenders as much as it would be the key part of the jigsaw to take this title away from Juve because Inter are already very close. And if they had Messi, which is exactly what they need, they do need a better creative playmaker. Ericsson hasn't gone in there and done the job that he was expected to do. But with Messi, it would make a significant difference. And with their solid back line, and they have got a solid back line, it's one of Conte's trademarks. And I understand that they completely capitulated against Seville, but that was an anomaly compared to the rest of the season. So they have all of the solidarity there to fit Messi in. And he would be a key part in the jigsaw and he would fit at Inter Milan. There's no doubt about it in my mind. He would fit better at Inter than possibly any of the other clubs here on the market. Manchester City don't need a Messi as much as an Inter Milan do. Manchester City already have those weapons and they need to sort out their defensive frailties. PSG certainly don't need a Messi. They have Mbappe, they have Neymar, they have Di Maria, they have Akadi, but... They could be one of the front runners here, and they're a big price here at 16 to 1. I see them as being more likely as Manchester City than Manchester City. And I understand that we have the Guardiola factor, and I understand that Manchester City have a ton of money, but Manchester City have just been under a massive investigation. I don't see how they are going to be able to afford his wages and the transfer fee and stay within FIFA, uh, FIFA fair play. And this is why I completely eliminate Inter Milan as well. Inter Milan will not be able to stay within FIFA fair play and they will not be able to afford this player's wages. And we're talking about various reports coming out as to what exactly he gets paid. But the most common reports indicate that he gets around about £1 million per week. So that would be £4 million a month, which is $5 million a month is what this guy makes just from his club. Now, when you add a transfer fee to that, it makes it highly unlikely that anybody is going to be able to afford this without breaking financial fair play rules and also without upsetting the wage structure of their club. PSG are a team that may be able to get around it. They have a lot of worldwide commercial deals, much like Manchester United, another team who could probably get around it, although I don't see them as a contender here. Although Manchester United do have the links to Adidas as the Bayern Munich, as the Real Madrid. So Adidas, of course, are the boot sponsor of Lionel Messi and they would obviously prefer him to go to an Adidas team. Obviously, before, when he was at Barcelona, he's been there since a kid. Adidas were just grateful to land a huge sponsorship deal. However, now they would obviously want some say over where he goes. This would, for me, be another reason why I would rule out Manchester City. Obviously, if he goes to Paris Saint-Germain, that's another Nike team. But I don't think that's as bad as going to Manchester City, wearing a Puma kit for the whole season, when your Manchester rivals are just across the other side. I think that's a bad look for, for Adidas. But of course, that's not the main reason. Players don't really adhere to their sponsors too much. We did have a, a situation before where Pep Guardiola and Messi temporarily fell out over the Pepsi Max deal, where Guardiola didn't approve of Messi. Messi being seen um, consuming carbonated drinks. And also um, there's stories out there that Messi actually really does consume Pepsi Max in his real life, which is hilarious to me that that's a real thing. But um, 
but yeah, that that's a previous issue that they've had. But I think all of that will be squashed. So I think I'm squashing the fact that Lionel Messi gives a fuck about his sponsors. I think he's squashing the old beef with with Pep Guardiola. I'm simply seeing this as the fact that Manchester City are not going to be able to come up with the money. And I don't think that that's a player that they need. Yes, it sounds amazing on paper. Mares, Sterling, De Bruyne, Messi, Aguero, Gabriel Jesus. But the fact is, is this team concedes far too many goals. They've just been beaten by Leon in the Champions League. And quite frankly, I think Manchester City's defeat was just as bad as Barcelona's. I know Barcelona's was more embarrassing, but Manchester City should be expected to breeze past the seventh placed team in the French League. That's where Lyon finished last season. They finished seventh. And we were talking about dream scenarios of Manchester City versus Bayern Munich and Manchester City facing PSG in the final. They wouldn't have won those games because they aren't defensively capable of winning those kind of games. PSG are a team who are far more ready to win the Champions League. They fell short this season, but we did see that they have come through with defensive capabilities. Tuchel has done a job of tightening things up and making the team far more organised and not more top-heavy. And in the end, ironically, it was their lack of ability to put the ball in the net against Bayern Munich. And they did have the chances to do that. And possibly killing Mbappe hadn't fully recovered from his injury because he didn't look good in the tournament when it resumed. And Neymar, I have never seen such poor finishing from Neymar. I've never seen such poor finishing from a player rated as highly as Neymar who couldn't buy a goal when the competition resumed. Miss after miss after miss. Now, the possibility of Messi playing alongside those two up top, I don't even know who would be the, the centre-forward in, in that scenario because everybody likes to to get the ball out wide. But one of them, I think, would have to take the role. I would think Mbappe possibly would end up shifting towards the middle but of course however they end up playing it it's going to generate a ton of excitement a ton of revenue which of course will help towards not breaking financial fair play regulations the process the prospect of Messi Mbappe and Neymar playing together it's going to be on every TV station in the world everybody's going to drift towards picking up League One even though it's not an interesting league even though Messi's just going to have his stroll around the park because they're going to win the league with record points total that actually in itself puts far less pressure on Messi to be the player who he has to be at Barcelona which is carrying a team on his back the load is shared then with Neymar and Mbappe and of course Di Maria is obviously going to remain at the club because he's good friends of Messi I think that would possibly mean that Icardi makes way and if there is any deal done with PSG, Acardi would almost certainly make way and end up at Barcelona because that would be a play that Barcelona will most certainly need after the departure of Messi and Suarez. An out-and-out goal scorer coming in with Dembele and Griezmann out wide. That doesn't seem too bad for Barcelona in terms of mounting some kind of respectable challenge for the title. As I said, Messi's departure will not be the end of Barcelona. But with all of that said, I think that Messi is going to end up winning this situation over the the top bods at Barcelona. I think Bartholomew is going to end up stepping down or we're going to see some kind of development with the upper hierarchy and Messi ending up getting what he wants. I don't think this is an out-and-out power play by Messi. But when when he realizes that he's going to have to go to the courts in order to 
instigate this move. And what I mean by that is that Messi had a clause in his contract that you may have heard of where he can leave Barcelona if he's not happy on the 31st of May. The 31st of May has gone, but we were during the COVID period. So if Messi wants to leave, he's going to have to convince a court that COVID-19 affected him staying past that deadline and a court are going to have to grant an extension and say that that stipulation in the contract needed to be automatically re-evaluated once COVID struck and should have been extended to August the 31st. However, as we approach August the 31st now, Messi still hasn't found a club that are willing to come in and pay his wages or the transfer fees. So I think once we get to a situation which develops over the next couple of weeks, which is making it look more and more likely that he will end up staying, he is then going to try and make power plays to negotiate his return to Barcelona rather than staging a protest where he sits on Argentina, sits in Argentina, refuses to go back and refuses to play for the team. Because I think that's the situation we are heading towards. And when you're looking at this as a better and the betting market, which closes on October the 5th, which is when the deadline closes, Messi is still going to be a Barcelona player. And there's humongous value there at plus 156 to 4 for him to remain. Because I don't think that any of these clubs, even though PSG probably can't afford it, even though Manchester City is managed by are managed by Pep Guardiola. And even though he'd be a really good fit into Milan and bringing Manchester United into it, Adidas would love to have him at an Adidas club and would even possibly help towards paying towards Messi being there. Despite all of that, by October the 6th, we're going to see a standoff where Lionel Messi wants changes at the club that owns him, which is Barcelona. And he will sit in Argentina and will not remain, will not return to the club until changes are made to his satisfaction. And that will, of course, also involve Barcelona signing some players. But in order to do that, they're going to have to get rid of some players. So we may see the likes of Suarez and Pique leaving soon. But my bet for this will be Lionel Messi to stay at Barcelona at plus money, available at the moment at 6-4. to four. Before we move on to tomorrow's Community Shield, let me take a second out to let you know that everything that we talk about here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast Network, you can go and bet over at mybookie.ag along with all the other sports that have all come back. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use the promo code SGP and double up on your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free plays designed to add more excitement to the sport you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross wages, props and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and to celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Let me let you know we're also brought to you by DraftKings. Download DraftKings app now and use a promo code SGP to claim your share of one. $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code SGP to share to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Let me also take a second out here to mention BetQL. That's where you need to go if you want an advantage over the sports. But when it comes to NBA, MLB, NHL action, you need to go ahead and download that BetQL app. It's the only app you'll need to make smart bets this season. Head to betql.co and enter the code SGP20 for 20% off your first subscription. That's betql.co and the promo code SGP20. We are also brought to you by Ace Per Head. 
Ace, the leaders in paperhead providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free. Just head over to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. And of course, finally, the free roll football contest is back. Don't forget to sign up for the free roll football contest where we're giving away up to five grand. That's $5,000 for the best NFL handicappers this season. All you need to do, as usual, to get involved is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest. So we're going to move on to the community shield between Arsenal and Liverpool, which is bizarrely slotted in to occur tomorrow, which I don't understand because usually it happens a week before the season and the season isn't starting next week. It's starting on September the 12th. So I don't really know what this is, but it's a game and it's happening tomorrow and it's important because it's the FA Cup winners against the EPL winners and it's at Wembley and there's prices for it so we can bet it. So let's let's have a look at it. Arsenal are the 4-1 to underdogs to win this game. It's 6-5 to to draw. And it's four to six on Liverpool to lift the trophy. And this is a trophy. Arsenal are the seven to four underdogs and Liverpool just outside what we can pick here at two to five. For Arsenal to win on penalties is 13 to two. And for Liverpool to win on penalties is also 13 to two. So there can be no extra time here. If it is a draw, it will go immediately to penalties. Difficult game to handicap because... There's very little information out as to what these two teams are going to do with their lineups. Usually at this stage of the season, when we're looking um, two weeks ahead before the start of the EPL season, we're not looking at the the key players like Salah, Mane, Aubameyang really playing that much football. It's usually closer to the season where we see an increase in minutes. Now, obviously, this is a weird season where... The view that the Premier League are taking and most of the leagues around Europe is that the period between March and June was seen as the the end of the season. It was seen as a time where players could take a break. Even though nobody could leave the fucking country or even their houses, they are viewing this as a break from football. Therefore, we are looking at players that came back from a a short pre-season of a couple of weeks to get ready for the resumption of the season. Then they played nine or ten games. Now they've had another month off, I guess another mini preseason, and now they're going to come back and start the season again. It's just all very odd, and we've never seen anything like this, and hopefully we never will again. And it's hard to assimilate exactly how that's going to end up. Obviously, lockdown football in it, in, in itself, when it returned, was very successful for us. I had some of my best P&Ls in soccer during that period, uh, with the exception of the Bundesliga, which was very difficult to, to handicap. And we had a weird scenario there where the road teams were winning far, far more than they usually would with home advantage completely negated. Now, with no fans there, you would expect it to be negated to a certain extent, but you would still expect there to be significant advantages from pitch familiarity and, and things of that nature, the surroundings, whatever. But there wasn't, especially in the Bundesliga. In the EPL and La Liga and other leagues, it was a little bit more normalised. Obviously, we did see 
a lower percentage of home wins, but not as significant as the Bundesliga. So lots of things to factor in when you handicap any game. And this one is even more difficult because you're looking at the personnel here and which team holds this in a higher regard, who thinks that this is more important than it is, who sees this as a real trophy, who sees this as a warm-up, who sees this as a distraction or an annoyance. It's very difficult to, to make that call. And it's one of those one of those scenarios where I do have to turn to statistical data. And the data for this game tells me that eight of the last 10 meetings between Arsenal and Liverpool have seen four goals or more scored. Um, these 10 meetings have averaged a huge 5.2 goals per game. Um, Arsenal have lost just six competitive games since Mikel Arteta arrived back in December. And Liverpool have actually failed to win four of their nine matches since the restart. And we'll talk more about that when we do our EPL preview, because I think that could be a significant factor in terms of potentially fading Liverpool to, to, to win the Premier League this season. But we don't know what personnel they're going to sign, because obviously if they do go on and sign a player like Thiago Alcantara from, from Barcelona, it's going to significantly aid them because that is a key position that they need to fill. Liverpool are lacking a playmaker. Said throughout um, the season, once what well, throughout the um, the post-lockdown portion of the season, that Atletico Madrid basically laid out the blueprint to beat Liverpool, which is to not fuck around with the ball in your own backline and allow them to press. If you clear the ball and give Liverpool more possession and say, come and break us down, Liverpool have great difficulty doing that. And now Mikel Arteta is able to tactically install that in his players, for sure, if this is the first team, that, if this is the Arsenal first team, the same team that beat Manchester City, because he implemented a similar, similar tactic and said to Manchester City, come and break us down in the semi-final, and it didn't. But obviously the risk with implementing those kind of tactics is that it can go completely wrong for you if somehow Kevin De Bruyne had picked up the ball and smashed it in from 25 yards in the first five minutes, and all of a sudden... You have a game plan that you've been working on for a week, week and a half that is completely pointless. It's not going to come to fruition because you're already won down because a magical player has produced a magical moment and has thrown your game plan in the bin. And Liverpool, of course, have the players on the pitch to do that in this instance. But I don't think that Mikel Arteta is going to come into this and approach this as a game where he's trying to implement a tactic to stop Liverpool playing. I think it's going to be a case where both managers come in and... Use it to, yes, look at some of their first team players, but also look at some fringe players and see how they see how they interact, see how they respond to a, a Wembley occasion. This doesn't mean for me that there's not going to be goals. I think this makes it more difficult to pick a winner. Once you've got it in your mind that Arsenal aren't going to implement a tactic where this is a massively important game, where they're going to need to park the bus, stifle Liverpool, ask Liverpool to break them down, try and hit on the counter-attack and rely on Pierre Aubameyang to score the goals as he did against Manchester City and of course against Chelsea, then you're, going to look in, then you're looking at a far more wide-open game. The last time these two teams had a wide-open game um, where they played fringe players, it was a cup game in the Carabao Cup and ended 5 all. So, and that obviously adds to the statistical data that we just talked about, bringing up that goal average. So therefore, I think that goals have to be the order of the day in this game. When you're looking at the over-under markets here, I'm going to use the Asian goal lines here because I already did a tutorial on them and now I can talk more freely about them. If you missed out on that, Soccer in 20 Part 2, we used the Champions League final and even though the game was an absolute dud, 
the information given out on that podcast will be forever important, as with part one. So Soccer in 20 part one and Soccer in 20 part two are two things that you need to listen to if you're just starting out on in soccer betting. Uh, the over 2.5 in this game is available at 3 to 5. The over 2.75 is available at 4 to 5. The over 3 goals is available at even money. The over 3.25 is available at 7 to 5. And over 3.5 goals is available at 6 to 4. Notice I've only given the overs there because I am looking at goals here. And uh, the point I'm going to go for and where I'm going to pick it here is 2.75, over 2.75 goals. What this means is if there are three goals in this game, I don't know why I'm explaining it again. I did a whole podcast on it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm a nice person like that. Over 2.75 goals means that if there are three goals in this game, you win half of the money. So therefore, if you put a £100 bet on this, at three goals, you are going to secure a £40 profit. But for the full 180, you will actually need four goals in this game. The difference between that and three is that you actually win something at three. If you take the over three at evens, you push on three and then you win at four goals, you end up winning £100 profit as opposed to 80. For me, I'd rather win something at three goals than be sitting there needing that fourth goal. So I'm going to go for over 2.75 goals in this game, as the data tells you that there are always goals in this game, no matter who they put out on the pitch. So we're not going to worry about the likes of Salah, Mane, Aubameyang possibly missing. I think these two teams will be able to find goals against each other in what should be an open game. And as I said, the only way I think that we don't get that is if Mikel Arteta takes this super serious approach that this is a vital trophy that he wants to have and he wants to continue on winning things at Wembley, which has been very good to Arsenal. We've seen over the years that they've got to multiple FA Cup finals and won numerous FA Cups. It has been this tournament. This year was no different. Looking back on it, they were massive when there were only four teams left getting Arsenal at 8-1, to one, but I just couldn't see them beating Manchester City. And for Mikel Arteta to pull that result out, that does bode well for Arsenal's season. However, Arsenal, like Manchester United and many other Premier League clubs, haven't done any business yet at all. So I'm hoping that some business is done before we do the EPL preview, because otherwise we're going to basically need to do a whole entire show at the end of the transfer window talking about who these guys have signed, because we're just looking at two ways of, two weeks away from the restart. And the most significant signing that I can really think of is Nathan Ake going to Manchester City with Manchester United still dragging their heels over the whole Jaden Sancho affair. So it's been very, very quiet on the transfer fund. It's interesting to see how much COVID has affected that with clubs choosing to keep hold of their players because the people coming in and bidding for them don't have as much money as they usually have. I mean, I heard a statistic that a team like Manchester United are losing about five million per game. So that's always going to be significant, no matter how much money your owners have got, however much money's coming in from other avenues. Well, in fact, when you're talking about Man United's owners, they've got a lot of investment in shopping malls in America. And we all know that's not been going well for anybody. But we'll talk about all of this on the EPL season preview. That is coming soon. That will be out in the next eight to 10 days. So make sure you check that out right here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. That's it from me. Good luck with all of your bets as always. And... Thanks for listening.